0: If the Bears don't manhandle the New York Giants, I'm going to set the radio on fire next week. Oil for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself (laughs) and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Well, I said what I said last week that if the Bears didn't roll over the New York football Giants, I'd come in guns blazing today. Well, I'm kind of a man of my word, because I'm actually in a good mood this week. And the Bears are a little bit of the reason why. But I'll get to all of that here in just a second. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 FM, WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you for another 57 minutes, taking you up to Bears kickoff as they take on the Atlanta Falcons down at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. And there's some big injury news for the Falcons that we'll get to in the second half hour. And I'll have a lot of Bears talk in the second 30 minutes because we have so much sports to talk about today. And I'm not exaggerating when I say we have so much to talk about. I didn't book a guest this week just because there is so much going on. For starters, the Bulls have a new head coach. And it's a hire that I didn't entirely see coming, but I'm really happy with. I'll talk about that. Also, a lot of baseball to get to. The Cubs clinched the NL Central last night with a Cardinals loss, even though the Cubs lost to the White Sox. The Cubs clinch the division. The White Sox have a chance to clinch the AL Central today with a victory over the Cubs and a Minnesota Twins loss. But there's also much more with Cubs-Sox. Obviously, the Crosstown series is going on this weekend. It's the last series of the regular season, as crazy as that is. But also, we had some drama in the series regarding bat flips. I'll get to that. And my big question for today that I feel like I've been talking about the last few weeks, but I'm going to keep talking about it. Should Ricky Renteria be managing this team next year? This week we had a big issue that made that question come up on Twitter. And I haven't seen it come up on Twitter like I did this week. And again, we'll have Bears talk second half hour because the Bears are 2-0. They beat the Giants last week. Don't, Don't get me wrong by my open. They won. I didn't really like how they won. But there are some positive signs for this team going forward. And they could be 3-0 today for the first time since 2013. Again, new kickoff. It's on Fox. And I'll take you up to kickoff. But the big story this week is the one and only Chicago Bulls. Because they did something that I didn't see coming. And I know there were a few people who didn't see this coming. They went out and got Billy Donovan as head coach. And I talked about it last week. And I, I remember in passing, I even went back and listened because I thought about putting that in my open. And I kind of just talked about it in passing that, oh, yeah, they're, they're interested in Billy Donovan, but they're through the first round of interviews. So I don't know, I don't know how much of a possibility that'll be. But then on Tuesday at 4.58 p.m., Adrian Wojnarowski drops the bomb that the Chicago Bulls are hiring Billy Donovan as head coach. And I'm getting ready to go to the golf course. I was going to go play a round of golf with the family. And my dad from the other room just says, Billy Donovan. And I'm saying, what about Billy Donovan? Like, what about him? He's like, he's the new Bulls coach. And I got the alert. And you'd swear the Bulls won the championship with how I reacted. I mean, I was full on, let's go. Let's go. The Bulls are back. My brother was on the phone with his friend. He had to tell me to quiet down because I was just so excited. I have been on the Wes Unsell train this whole time. I have been driving the Wes Unsell Jr. fan bus as Bulls head coach. And I went on and on about him last week because I really thought he was going to get the job. And from the sounds of it, I wasn't the only one because I heard it on the radio too. A lot of people were thinking it was going to be Wes Unsell Jr. because of his relationship with Arturis Karnashovis from AK's time in Denver. But no, the Bulls went out and got the best guy available in Billy Donovan after five years with the Oklahoma City Thunder and an appearance in the bubble this year when they really shouldn't have been in the bubble this year in the playoffs. And that tells you he's big on player development. And I really think, I know people are saying this isn't necessarily a home run hire. I heard that on ESPN Radio, the national show in the morning, said this isn't a home run hire. Like, it's okay. I disagree wholeheartedly. I think this is absolutely a home run higher. And again, he's the best coach available. And it's kind of scary for me to say this, but he's the first Bulls coach to have prior NBA head coaching experience since Scott Skiles came in in 2003. That's not great company. And I saw that and I cringed a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. But I really, really think the Bulls have something special going now. Gar Pax is gone. AK and Mark Eversley are in. Now they've got a credible head coach in Billy Donovan. And that's where I think this is really a home run hire. Because you're coming off a year and a half of Jim Boylan. And obviously, as I've talked about on the show, Jim Boylan was super popular with the fans. Everybody just loved Jim Boylan. Now, Jim was a good guy. I can vouch for that. But he's better off as an assistant coach and we saw that here in Chicago when he was appointed to take over for Fred Hoiberg which was another train wreck after Tom Thibodeau left but with Boylan in town there wasn't a lot of credibility there especially when he brought out the punch clock and the constant cliches and if you build it they will come there were so many quirks to Jim Boylan and there was no credibility and then it comes out that he was getting involved with free agency and other stuff outside of basketball. And it was a train wreck, and he stayed on way too long. Now the Bulls go out and get the best guy available. He is the best guy available. At least he was the best guy available. And now the conversation has changed. I really, truly think the Bulls knocked it out of the park. They hit it 450 feet onto Waveland at Wrigley Field with the wind blowing out. This is a great hire. And especially because he has that NBA coaching experience. And again, the company with Scott Skiles kind of scares me a little bit because I don't really like saying the name Scott Skiles. But I'm excited, and I know Bulls Twitter's excited. And it's finally coming together. We talked about it since Arturis Karnashovas and Mark Eversley came in. Yes, Gar Foreman and John Paxton are gone. It's a new era. Who they hire as head coach will determine where this is going. And when there were rumors that they were going to keep Jim Boylan, I remember saying this rebuild or whatever they're going to do, is not going to get off the ground. Because to show that the older Jim is gone, you've got to get rid of the head coach. And they did. Give Karnashova credit. He took his time and waited until the last day of the regular season to say, Jim, you did, you did good work. Thanks for your time. We're going a different direction. I give him a lot of credit for that, even though fans were saying, including myself, we were all saying, why hasn't this happened yet? It's inevitable. But when you look back on it, like, okay, you know what? He did it the right way. And now he goes out and gets Billy Donovan. So now you've got a coach with credibility who can come in, and he's a great recruiter. And that comes from his 19 years as head coach at Florida. When he was at Florida... He was a great recruiter. And even in the NBA, he's been a good recruiter. Because the NBA is changing where it's all about recruiting now. And I think Billy Donovan's going to fit that mold perfectly. And it's not going to be an instant impact, I don't think, because there's still a lot of questions involving the roster, which I'll get to. But as we sit here now, this is a fantastic hire. And this is even more amazing because my guy Sham Sharania over at The Athletic is reporting that his contract is four years for $24 plus. That means that good old Jerry Reinsdorf opened up the checkbook and is right now at a big check. He's not afraid to spend money, which is great. That's a really good sign because a coach like Billy Donovan You've got to pay him. You can't just pick up a guy. You can't pay him like it's going to be Wes Unsell Jr., his first head coaching job. No, this is a guy who's been around. He's made five straight playoff appearances with essentially five different rosters. I mean, he's had... He coached Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook his first year. That's when they blew the 3-1 lead. And then KD left. And... It, There were questions surrounding the Thunder as to what direction they'd go, what would happen, and they went back to the playoffs, and they just kept going back. And then Russell Westbrook left, and they brought in Chris Paul, and this year wasn't supposed to be anything special. I remember there were a lot of questions around the Thunder, like is this year going to be a rebuild? Are they entering a rebuild? Are they going to make the playoffs? Well, lo and behold, they made it to the playoffs. And you could talk about the playoff performance all you want. They were there, and they should not have been there. I am so happy that the Bulls went out and got this guy. And the other thing that makes this so great is the last year and a half with Jim Boylan, you listen to him talk, and he's very he's very wishy-washy. Oh, well, well, you know, we play with a lot of spirit. A lot of spirit and a lot of passion, and, you know, we got to get better. We, we lost the first quarter, we won the second quarter, we we lost the third of the fourth quarters. You know, we just we got to focus on getting better, and that's my job. Now you bring in... This guy and I listened to. He did radio interviews. Billy Donovan did this week, and I had my headphones in. I was I was at work listening to these interviews, and you listen to him talk. I didn't realize, and I just never did a lot of research on like his background. I guess, but I didn't realize that he was such an East Coaster. Like I mean, you hear it in his voice. You've got an East Coast guy coaching in Chicago. He's like. Yeah, well, you know, we got Mark and our tourists that came down to, that lived in Florida. And our tourists came down. We talked for about five and a half hours. And it's listening to him talk is just a change because he sounds confident. He said all the right things. And he, his first interview was with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score, the morning show. And I'm listening to it, and I was getting excited because work – I work at the golf course. and Our first tee times are about 7.30. That first half hour is just getting things set up so it's super chill and I can actually pay close attention to the radio in my ear. And I had my headphone in listening to his interview with Mully and Haw. This is the first time I've heard Billy Donovan give an interview. And I'm listening to his answers and he seems like he's really getting along with Arturis Karnaschobis and Mark Eversley. And it sounds like he's buying in and everything. I, I even texted David after... And said, hey, great interview. Like, I'm excited. Like, I'm really excited about Bulls basketball now. I think it's safe to say for Bulls fans, most excited most, if not all of them, have been since Derrick Rose was drafted. And now, I've, talk, I've talked about my NBA fandom. When I first got into basketball, I was in, what, fifth grade? And I was the basketball manager for the junior high. The coach was actually my fourth grade teacher. And he asked me to be the the stat keeper, the manager. And I didn't know basketball. Back then, the only sport I knew was baseball. Like, that was the only, that was the only sport that mattered to me was baseball. I didn't know anything about basketball. So I watched Sports Center, and there was this guy they kept talking about. His name was LeBron James. And that's when I'm like, okay, I'll latch onto to that guy. He's good. So I latched on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Around that time, obviously... The Bulls drafted D. Rose. So back then, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a Cavs fan. Like, That's cool if that they got this guy, but I'm a Cavs fan. Yeah. Well, then LeBron went to Miami, and that took me off because I thought he should stay with Cleveland. So then I latched on to the Lakers because there was some other guy they kept talking about named Kobe Bryant. And the Lakers coach was Phil Jackson. And I remembered Phil Jackson was a great coach with the Bulls. I'm like, okay, I'll latch on to the Lakers and the late, great Kobe Bryant. Well then time went on and i started thinking like you know what i should probably pay attention to the bulls now that they're good cuz this was around the time tibbs was hired and the bulls were making a run and i flipped again i'm like okay you know what the bulls are my team i'll still follow the lakers but the bulls are my team so that's kind of my fandom journey so like the most excited since d rose was drafted i that's not a entirely accurate statement but looking at where the bulls are you could maybe say since tibbs was hired but for most Bulls fans, since D. Rose was drafted, is going to be is my closest comparison to what we're going through right now with this total revamp of the front office and going out and getting a credible head coach who's been to the playoffs multiple times and has great recruiting experience. That's what I'm comparing it to. And I'll even say, like, yeah, most excited, like, when the Bulls drafted Derrick Rose, I remember thinking, okay, this is a big deal. Because I kept hearing on Center like, wow, they got Derrick Rose. This kid from Chicago is really good. That's a great pick. So, yeah, I was kind of excited that they took Derrick Rose, I guess. But it wasn't my full fandom because, again, I was just getting into basketball. So that's kind of my – that's why I'm way more excited about this now because I wasn't as into the Bulls as I was – or as I am now back then. So now the question is, what's next? Because I'm all about what's next. I'm a big West Wing fan. The big thing is, what's next? Now you have to overhaul the roster a little bit. And obviously in a little bit, that's kind of a contradictory statement. But if you hear what I'm going to say, you'll understand, like, okay, it needs an overhaul, but not a big overhaul. I think Zach Levine is a good piece to build around, but he shouldn't be your number one. The draft is coming up November 18th. As of right now, it's November 18th. And that sounds like the date the NBA is going to settle on. Even though we don't know when the season will start yet. But November 18th is the date. And the Bulls obviously have the number four pick. I still think they should go get Danny Abdia And use him as a building block. Because he's kind of... And I texted this into the score when Rick Camp did a show... After the Donovan hiring, which I'm glad Campy's back at the score after he was laid off, and he, he even, he read it on the air, and he's like, yeah, Danny FD is a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none, which is what I like about him. He can do a little bit of everything, and that's like a good piece to start if the Bulls go into a rebuild. That's a good piece to build around. I keep saying if they go into a rebuild, because you don't go out and get a guy like Billy Donovan if you're going to rebuild. You go get a first-year head coach to rebuild. And I know there was speculation about when Donovan left OKC, that it was because he didn't want to go through a rebuild. And during his interview with Molly and Haw, he said, I never said that. That's people speculating. And it, I kind of got the sense that he would be okay with a rebuild. But... I really think the Bulls need to retool the roster now because of what he brings to the table. It's about player development, obviously. So if they do go through a rebuild, like, okay, that's not a bad thing. I won't be disappointed if they decide to rebuild, considering they've been rebuilding ever since Derek got hurt. And John Paxson made it a point to say that, you know, how many many years later now, seven years later? So, yeah, obviously, you know, when Derek got hurt, the rebuild kind of got thrown off. Yeah, he says this in 2019. But anyway, I digress. I don't want to get angry about John Paxson right now because I'm happy. But the rebuild got thrown off, so now you have the opportunity to rebuild if you want. You have a foundation there with Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen, Kobe White. I think that's a good core. I don't know if they need a true point guard. I think you can go positionless. I don't know really what Billy Donovan's Offense is like what his playing style is like, but positionless basketball is an option because that's kind of where the NBA is going anyway. And I even said that if the Bulls got the top pick, they could have gotten say Anthony Edwards and played positionless basketball because you could just have four sharp shooting, four I guess four sharpshooters. I was gonna say sharp shooting guards, but you can't call Lowry Markin a card But you could have three sharp shooting guards and Lowry who can shoot. That's good. You can play positionless basketball. But with number four, there's a few different directions you can go. And that's why what happens with the roster is going to be key. And now, AK and Eversley can look at the roster and say, okay, we have a head coach now. And workouts are starting up. Granted, Billy Donovan's not in the bubble because each team's getting their own separate quote-unquote bubble to start in-person workouts again. And he he said it on the radio. He's like, I'm not going to be there. Because there's the quarantine process and it's just going to be crazy. And it's just going to be too much. So I've been talking to people to get things going. I guess he's been reaching out to guys on the team too. And that's a good thing that he's reaching out to guys on the team. But now you've got workouts starting up. You've got a coach in place. Now's the time for the front office to evaluate the roster. And start looking at free agency. Because again, you've got a guy who can recruit here. He was a great recruiter at Florida. And he took that to OKC. And he's big on player development. So you can can recruit free agents and maybe develop some guys. That's going to be the questions Karnaschovas and Eversley have to answer. Obviously, they don't have answers for what's next right now. Because we're not even a week since he was hired. So it's going to take a little time to see what happens with the roster. But given how The front office has gone about reshaping itself with how Chauvis and Eversley have reshaped the front office and modernized it, took their time in evaluating Jim Boylan and getting rid of Jim Boylan, and then going after the top guy. I guess it was within 48 hours after the Thunder didn't bring back Billy Donovan, Chauvis called him and said, hey, you want to meet up? And I I guess Billy was like, hey, can you give me a bit to see my family? And it all went down quick, I guess. And Karnaschovas didn't know Donovan. They they didn't know each other. I mean, I guess they knew each other in passing. I guess they were friends of friends. But they didn't know each other personally. That's what makes this even more amazing. Like, AK could have easily gone after Wes Unsell Jr., who he's worked closely with and had a comfort level there and taken a chance on a first-year coach. But instead, he went with a guy who he didn't know, who he never really met before. It's going to be interesting to see how they vibe and how they get along. And I don't see any issues with that, given these two personalities and what we've seen so far. And listening to Billy on the radio, he even said Our tourists and Mark, they're, they're great. And they really sold, they sold them on the Bulls, which everyone's wondering, why the Bulls? Well, I want, I want you to think about that question. And I'm going to ask you, why not the Bulls? Third largest media market, like second largest sports market, it's a great sports town. The history is there with the team. I mean, look at all the hype around the last dance. I mean, there's a lot of history with the team. Say what you want about the roster. The roster is a playoff team. I'm not saying number one seed. I'm saying they're like an eight seed because it's the Eastern Conference. So the pieces are there. He's not taking over a depleted Orlando Magic team, per se. He's taking over... A solid roster with the Chicago Bulls. The team that won six titles in the 90s and could have easily won eight if Michael didn't take a step away to play baseball. That's why the Bulls. And plus, you've got terrorists Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley. They have a vision. And that's what he kept saying. They have a vision. They have a vision. And he bought into that vision. Now it's time to see that vision play out. And now the other question I have is, are the Bulls back? Yes, the Bulls are back. Because you have a front office that's becoming modernized. They're not operating like it's 1998. You've gotten rid of Gar Foreman, who was a big issue that players had with the front office with free agency. Like free agents didn't want to come play for Gar. John Paxson's still there, but he's in an advisory role because John's going to be a Bull for life. You don't hit a shot like he did to win the finals in 93 and leave the organization like that. No, he's a bull for life. Don't get me started on how they've treated Michael and Scotty, but John's a bull for life, so he's an advisor, but he's not involved in the discussions day to day. So you really do have fresh faces there and it's modernized and they're about relationships because that's where the NBA is going, whether you like it or not. If they can land a big-name free agent, I'm looking at you, Anthony Davis. I'm looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo, too. If they can land a big-name free agent like that, I don't want to hear any more questions about whether or not the Bulls are back because I think they're back now, and if they can land one of those guys, they'll really be back. And I think they have a shot. If AK can make this kind of pitch to the best coach available and win the best coach available... I think he can do the same thing with the best free agent available. And I think it'll especially help that they have a coach of Billy Donovan's caliber. You're not going to have Jim Boylan there anymore. Jim Boylan's gone. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with the assistants where Rogers, Chris Fleming, but I like them both. I don't think they're bad at all. I know they interviewed for the head coaching position, but that's just, that's how it works. Like, if I are the head coach, interview the assistants. Even if they're not going to be front runners, like, you're doing it the right way that way. So it's going to be interesting to see how Donovan shapes the assistants. But even so, a guy like that, a guy like him, leading your team, it's going to be big for free agency. And I, I think now the Bulls are in a position to land any free agent they want, assuming Jerry's going to pay them. Yes, he opened up the checkbook for the coach, and that's great. Like, that's a really good sign that he did that. It's a matter of if he's going to do it again. To get a guy like Anthony Davis, to get a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, I'm shooting for the moon here. I mean, I was on the train, go, go safe and get a West Southall South Jr. Well, when you go out and get the top guy... Okay, now I'm thinking shoot for the moon because why not? You've proven you can do it. I see no problem with saying, okay, go get AD. Go get Giannis. Go get the big name guys. Go talk to the big name guys. Go make a run at the big name guys. You're the Chicago Bulls. Look at where you play. You heard me. I just laid it all out for you. Why the Chicago Bulls should be a destination. You have all that going for you. You've got the city. The fan base. The history. Market that. Yes, the history hasn't been great the last 20 years. And if you want to get down to it, the last 22 since the dynasty broke up. Which you can thank Jerry Krause for that one, as you saw in the last dance. But yeah, the last 22 years... Been kind of rough, but there's still a history there. When you win six championships in an eight-year window, I'm not saying ride that wave like it was yesterday. That's now two front offices ago. But players want to know that there's an option there with Michael, and the team that Michael and Scotty led to the finals. And you could, even, you could even say Michael Scotty and Rodman later, Horace Grant earlier. Ride the last dance height too. One of my favorite stories from the COVID quarantine was that AK was watching the last dance and he was interviewing Mark Eversley for GM. He was getting ready to announce it and or getting ready to offer him the job. So he watched the last dance on ESPN he was so excited after the episode, he called Mark then and there and said, Hey, I want to hire you. I want to do this now. Because he was so excited after watching the documentary. I mean, I watched it twice and I was excited after the end of it. It was a little different the second time because it was after the retooling of the front office and everything. But you can ride that height too. Bulls fans need to understand that the Bulls are back. They're not, I mean, they're not completely back in that, oh yeah, like making a run at the NBA Finals back. But I mean, they're back in talks of a destination. And free agents are going to want to come to Chicago again. They're not going to be repelled by the way the Bulls kind of forced the end of the dynasty. And the way Michael hasn't really come back much. Outside of the All-Star game. And how he owns a whole other franchise now. They're going to see there's a change. There are changes in place. And I think in the next few years, the Bulls are going to jump on the trampoline and they're just going to skyrocket. And I hope you're as excited as I am. Maybe I'm a little too excited. I don't know. But for right now, I'm going to enjoy it because it's been a long time since I've been this excited about the Bulls. I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm normally broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, but right now broadcasting from the Schultz Sports Cave in Dwight, Illinois. Also known as my detached garage. If you want to chime in on the discussion, obviously I can't take calls right now, but you can tweet at me at Nick Schultz underscore 7. No calls during the semester. We're working remotely. But again, tweet at me. If you don't follow me, you should. I try to be funny. And if you look at my tweet from last night, I Went out to the bar, obviously taking all necessary precautions, and I was wearing my pair of hey dudes, and you can see my aunt reply to my tweet making fun of my tan lines from working at the golf course. So that's the kind of content you can see on my Twitter page. Some more content you can see on my Twitter page is baseball, because baseball is my sport. And it's been a big weekend for Chicago baseball, even though on the front page of Saturday's Chicago Sun-Times, Steve Greenberg's column was titled Crosstown Slowdown because both teams were kind of limping into the Crosstown series, the Cubs and Sox were. Then the Cubs' bats broke out in game one, and the Sox' bats broke out last night in game two. Both teams are going to the playoffs, that's a given. Sox clinched a spot last week, Cubs clinched the division last night when the Cardinals lost. And the series has been interesting so far. It's safe to say it's interesting. Because in game one, Wilson Contreras hit a three-run homer. And he had the bat flip to end all bat flips. You watch the replay of the home run. The bat went as high as the ball. Everyone on Twitter was saying, wow, this is bat flip right here. You want to see how to flip a bat? That's how you do it. Well, the White Sox didn't like it so much. And Jimmy Cordero, who has come in so many times this year, I joked about that, and I know my guys Cap and Jay Hood have joked about that as well. I know Jay Hood's saying, what is it, 150 appearances in 60 games or something is the over-under for Jimmy Cordero. He comes in in relief and throws at Contreras. And it was blatant. He threw it Contreras. I don't want to hear this, oh, we got away from him, uh-uh. The first pitch was inside, too. The second pitch is the one that hit him. And he got ejected. So did Ricky Renteria, and so did Don Cooper. And Chicago Twitter was fun that night. Because I want to take you back to April of last year, April 2019. Sox are playing the Royals, and Tim Anderson had what was then considered the bat flip to end all bat flips. And the Royals didn't like it. And they threw a TA, and it started an ongoing beef. But the White Sox had the motto now of change the game. Making baseball fun. And bat flips are a part of the game, and the White Sox had the swagger. And they can back it up now too, because, I mean, they're a game back now, but they can clinch a division today if they win and the Twins lose. But they're all about change the game. And the bat flips, the swagger. But the optics from the other day where they don't like it when it happens to them and I want to think about that this is the team that has Tim Anderson with the bat flips this is the team that has Eloy Jimenez and the high mom I love watching the White Sox play with the swagger and everything but it's a two way street here you got to be able to you got to be able to take it when it happens to you and yeah you can say the bat flip was outrageous Contreras even said I didn't expect the bat to go that high But to throw at him, come on, don't give me this, change the game, make baseball fun with the bat flips, the swagger, and everything, and then do that. And you know it's bad when Rick Hahn goes on 670 the score. Yesterday with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. They're for Inside the Clubhouse, and they had him on talking about it. And I'm pulling it up right now. Here is the direct quote from Rick Hahn on the radio yesterday. If you don't want the guy to showboat, get him out. That's what it's all about. I mean, you got beat. The White Sox got beat by Contreras. And say what you want about his batting average. I mean, it's a high-stakes series at this point. It shouldn't have been a high-stakes series for either side. But it is. And that bat flip, uh, ah, come on! Like, watch that replay. You can't tell me that's not awesome. That is exactly where baseball is going with the bat flips and the swagger, and you see the kids now, in literally they flipping bats, and it's it's fun. But don't tell me you want to have fun in baseball and then have it happen to you and say, "Oh no, we don't like that." Like this is exactly what's wrong with baseball. People are trying to take the fun out of baseball. And I joke about it on Twitter. Whenever something happens, I'm like, stop having fun. This is baseball. You can't have fun. Contreras' is bat flip, you tip your hat. And I even saw, I saw people on Sox Twitter going, I disagree with throwing at him. Tip your hat. That was awesome. And that's how the reaction should have been. Obviously, if you're the White Sox, yeah, you got beat. It's a high-stakes series. Like I said, I mean, you're playing... For a division here. Yeah. It's, it's going to be. High stakes. It's going to be intense. But man you got. If you're going to dish it out. You got to take it. In other White Sox news. This is my big question for today's show. And yeah I'm 35 minutes in. And I'm just now talking about it. But I was excited about the Bulls. Because the Bulls have a. Competent credible head coach. Meanwhile, the competence of the White Sox manager was questioned this week. More so than usual. Because, I mean, I feel like a broken record here. I feel like every week I'm saying something about Ricky Renteria. But this week he deserved it. Sox Indians, again, big series. The Sox clinched a playoff spot, and they kind of let off the gas a little bit. And Jose Abreu admitted that through a translator. And... Big series against the Indians to try and lock up the division. Ricky Renteria decides, with the bases loaded, to bring in Carlos Rodon in relief. And you're probably thinking, Carlos Rodon, isn't he a starter? Yeah, he hasn't pitched in relief since 2013. Let me tell you something else. He hasn't pitched since August 3rd, I think, is the date I heard. It's been a while since he's pitched it all. So Ricky brings him in in a high-leverage situation. And it went about as well as you think. The Indians took the lead. Sox lost the game. And everyone on Twitter was just calling for Renteria to be fired because this is the last straw. Been vocal about it now for a year. You're not going to win a World Series with Ricky Renteria as your manager. And you saw why the other night in Cleveland. Why in the world are you putting Carlos Redon in that spot? Because not only is it unfair to him to bring him in there after he's come back from injury, but it's unfair to your team because you're in a must-win situation. I know I've talked about the playoff hunt being different, but... It's not different when you're chasing a division title. When you're chasing a division title, you play to win the game. It's the old Herm Edwards thing. You play to win. You play to win that division. You don't let off the gas. Ricky Renteria is managing this team like it's a third-place team that has no hope of the playoffs because that's all he's managed. He managed in 2014 with the Cubs, and they were not a playoff team. He could play with different parts. He could mix and match. He could do that sort of thing. You can't do that when you're playing for a division title and you got a lineup that could make a run at the pennant. Now is not the time to be messing with everything. You can't be doing this. And people on Twitter are realizing that. Also, you really shouldn't be getting ejected three days in a row. Granted, one of the days was Angel Hernandez being Angel Hernandez, so I'll let that one slide. But you got to quit getting ejected. I think this week has proven to White Sox fans. And I'll argue this. And I want to hear someone try to convince me different that Ricky Renteria should not be back next year because you have a window. I know the Sox are ahead of schedule. This year was not supposed to be win the pennant, make the World Series, win the World Series. This year there was talk of that because that lineup has a lot of pop. So yeah, they're a year ahead of schedule. But you've got a window here. You've got to take advantage of it. If you're early, that's great. Keep that window open a little longer. But if you're going to win, you've got to have a manager who's going to manage to win. That's why say what you want about him. You can say the Cubs won despite him in 2016. But Joe Madden played to win. He won. And you hear Ozzie Guillen on the postgame show ripping Ricky Renteria. And I loved Steve Stone on Twitter just saying he had no words after the Rodon decision. People are getting frustrated because the Sox should have had the division locked up. Now, here we are, game 60, last, ge- last day of the regular season, and the Sox need to win and the Twins need to lose in order for the Sox to win the division. That shouldn't have happened. They should have had it locked up a week ago. They were the second team in baseball to clinch a playoff spot. But yet they couldn't secure the division because their manager was too busy mixing and matching and bringing in different players in different spots to see how they work. That's fine in maybe July. And if you had a full season, it'd be like May or June. It's crunch time. You play to win the division. Cubs won the division last night. Do you want to hear this lineup? I want to read you this lineup today. Because this is... This is almost like someone threw darts at the names on the roster and said this is going to be the lineup. Billy Hamilton, Cameron Maiden, Kyle Schwarber, batting third, Chris Bryant, cleanup, Wilson Contreras, DH, and batting fifth, Victor Caratini, catching, David Bodie at second, Jason Kipnis at first, Nico Horner, shortstop, and Albert Alzali pitching. That's the lineup you can do after you clinch a division because you've got your spot. Give your regulars a rest. So yeah, Ricky can mix and match after they clinch a division. But you haven't clinched a division yet. You want want to win the division. So no, I don't think Ricky Renteria should be back next year. I've been saying it for weeks now, and this just proved it this week. And I want to hear someone disagree with me. I will listen to you. I want to hear why you would defend him. And if you make a good case, I'll acknowledge it. But I have not heard a good case for bringing back Rick Renteria next year. And I think any manager of the year talk this year was an overreaction. He has a great lineup. And he's going to ride that. He was riding that lineup. He should ride that lineup into the playoffs. But he's not. Why is Luis Robert batting seventh? I'm just curious. He's probably the best bat in the lineup. I mean, he should be rookie of the year. If he's seeing the ball well, which he hasn't been lately, he's dangerous. In more ways than one. He can hit. He's a double machine. And then he hits the home runs like they're nothing. Why is he batting seventh? Give him protection. Move him in the order when he's struggling. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Move him in the order. Ricky did this last year with Tim Anderson, batting him ninth. Why are you batting him ninth? This year he's leadoff and look what happened. Granted, it helps they have Nick Madrigal batting ninth, who's a perfect nine hitter because he's a contact guy. But Tim Anderson should have been leading off last year. Too many questions. And that's the big problem with the White Sox. And if they get bounced in the first round, if they don't win the division today, because I don't know if the Twins are going to lose... I'm sure the White Sox can beat that Cubs lineup. But I'm not sure if the Twins will lose today. If you don't win the division, it's on the manager's shoulders. I'm not even a White Sox fan. And this makes me mad. Because I want both teams in town to be, well, to be good. I want them to do well. Let's go to the other side of town. Now that I've got that off my chest. That's been building up for a few days. That's why I wish I, could, I, wish I had a daily show instead of weekly. Because I have a lot I want to get off my chest sometimes. Like, especially this week. But on the other side of town, just real quick. So Chris Bryant was back in the lineup yesterday. And this has been a lost season for KB. He hasn't done well this year. It's been rough. And he's dealt with injuries. And people have been questioning, is Chris Bryant a bust? I still argue no, because you see what he can do. I know people say, oh, he had one good season in 2016. Well, he won Rookie of the Year in 2015, first of all. But no, he's not a bust. This is just a a lost year. But he came out last night and hit a Grand Slam. And Russ Dorsey over at the Sun-Times does great work. He's the new Cubs writer over there. Took over for Gordon Wittenmeyer. And Russ tweeted out a really interesting tweet that Chris Bryant has fouled off or whiffed on that pitch he saw last night, all year. And now, he hit a grand slam off that pitch. That's a good sign. It's a sign of things to come. And it amazed me that in the post-game press conference last night, Chris Bryant, who doesn't drink, who seems very sweet and doesn't really swear much, was asked about, people doubting him, and he said, I don't give a bleep. And I'm sitting there going, Christopher. He said it again, I don't give a bleep. How about that? I didn't know he knew how to use that word. And I can't say it on the air, but you can look it up for sure. It's everywhere. I like Chris Bryant with an edge. I could dig it, going into the playoffs with an edge. All right. I'm here for it. That was just one more interesting thing from last night. It came out late, and I wanted to talk about that. I just wanted to acknowledge that Chris Bryant said a a dirty word. Last game of the season is today at 210. I'm excited. And it's going to be toward the end of the Bears game, so you're going to have Bears wrapping up as Cubs-Sox start. It's going to be great. Let's talk Bears, the last 15 minutes here, taking you up to kickoff at noon. Again, games on Fox, down in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Julio Jones is out today for the Atlanta Falcons. That's huge. And I know people are saying, okay, the Falcons still have Calvin Ridley. As a Calvin Ridley fantasy owner, I know they still have Calvin Ridley. Don't get me started about Saquon Barkley going down last week, speaking of fantasy football. I'm really not in the mood to talk about it. But, yes, they have Calvin Ridley. But you take Julio Jones out of that equation? You can neutralize Calvin Ridley. You can stop him. Because what makes Calvin Ridley so dominant is that Matt Ryan has two weapons, Jones and Ridley, on both sides. So if you, t- if you double-team Julio Jones and try to stop him, you've got to worry about Calvin Ridley on the other side. Now your top weapon in Julio Jones is out. Now guys like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, and uh, well, I guess it would be more of the corners, it would be Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson, can team up against Calvin Ridley and stop him. This doesn't guarantee the Bears a victory today. But it certainly helps. They could be 3-0 today. Whether they should be is another story. Because they were a drop pass in Detroit and a goal line stop last week against the Giants, which I said I'd set the radio on fire, but you heard me. I've been in a good mood because the Bulls did something right. But that game should not have been that close. And everyone knows it. So now it makes this week much more interesting. And if they can beat the Falcons, yeah, they'll be 3-0 for the first time since 2013. But I know the national spin is still, the Bears aren't legit. There's still a lot of doubting with Mitchell Trubisky. Even though he's doing better about rolling out and finding the open man. And not 30 minutes after I set it on the air last week. The first touchdown of the game. Mitch was in the pocket. He rolled out. He found David Montgomery. Touchdown Bears. He's using his legs, which is exactly what I've been saying he should do since the end of last year. And I know I talked about it last week. I'll bring it up again. When I talked to Cheryl Ray Stout a couple weeks ago, she talked about how his shoulder's fixed. And now he's going to have more confidence because last year he was worried he was going to hurt that shoulder more. Which, is that a great excuse? No. But if you think about it, that's probably why he didn't use his legs much last year. Now, he's rolling out. And he's the play-action is great. I really like that they're using play-action more. Because it allows him, gives him the option, okay, fake the handoff, gives him time, set his feet. The offensive line has improved this year just like I thought it would. And I think that's a big reason why Mitch is improving. He's still not, it's not going to make up for not taking Deshaun Watson or Patrick Holmes in the draft. Let me make that very clear. This is not making up for that decision. But if Mitch is solid, and if that defense can get its act together, which it didn't last week, First half was good. The second half, they just let the Giants and Daniel Jones walk all over them. which I really hate saying that sentence, that they let Daniel Jones walk all over him. Because, yeah, I think you can make a case that Daniel Jones is worse than Mitch Trubisky. Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. You should not have let him walk all over you last week. Especially with Robert Quinn back. I can't even... Okay, Robert Quinn back. Robert Quinn in the lineup. That was his first game as a Bear. So that defense needs to come out today looking sharp. Because you're facing an exponentially better quarterback in Matt Ryan. The big thing with the Falcons, too, is their head coach. I honestly and truly think Dan Quinn is the most incompetent coach in the NFL right now. There is no reason why the Falcons should be 0-2. When you've got weapons like Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, and Julio Jones. Dan Quinn could be the reason why the Falcons are 0-3 and the Bears are 3-0. And especially with Julio out, I don't want to say this is a must-win game for the Bears because, I mean, they are 2-0, but I think it's a must-win game in a sense because the Falcons are without their number one wide receiver. You're riding momentum whether you agree with it or not. You're 0 Yeah, you beat two very mediocre teams and you should have won a little more convincingly. But you're 0 Ride that wave. It's going to be a very, very interesting game today. I didn't know how I was going to predict this game because I wasn't sure if Julio would be in the lineup or not. But with Julio out, I think it could easily be 30-24 Bears. The door is open for the Bears to go into Mercedes-Benz Stadium and win this game. It's a matter of if they will go into Mercedes-Benz Stadium and win this game. want to uh look at a text I got here going back to the White Sox for a second. That uh Daryl Horowitz, former host of the show, I'm glad he's still tuning in. Daryl, thanks for listening. Hope you're well in Charlotte, my friend. He says uh Robert is not the best hitter in the Sox lineup. Several are better right now and he won't be rookie of the year, or at least he shouldn't be at least. I'm saying Luis Robert could be the best hitter in the lineup. When he's at when he's on when he's on top of his game, when he's not going, what is it? O oh, for his last Twenty or whatever hasn't hit a home run since September 13th. Yeah, I think he's the scariest hitter in the lineup, but I think he could be the best hitter in the lineup. Obviously, Tim Anderson's going to have the best batting average. Let's take batting average out of the equation here. I'm looking at pure fear. I'd be afraid of Luis Robert if he wasn't hitting 7th. Oh, Some breaking Cubs news here on Twitter. Uh, Cubs are calling up Braylon Marquez for today's game. I saw uh, the aforementioned Russ Dorsey was all over that the other day. Braylon Marquez has been called up from the alternate site in South Bend. He has a 117 ERA, 48 strikeouts, and 38 and a third innings in his last seven starts at South Bend and Myrtle Beach in 2019. That doesn't necessarily solve the Cubs hitting woes. But it's good that they're bringing up a guy like Braylon Marquez and getting him some experience here. Because he could be a solid pitcher for the Cubs down the road. And obviously you haven't heard much about him this year because minor league baseball was wiped out. But he's been at the alternate site in South Bend. So that's an interesting move by the Cubs. And it be interesting to see how he's used today. Because again, last game of the regular season, I want to say he's in the playoff pool as well. I want to say I saw Russ report that. That's something to keep an eye on in Cubs' socks today because you heard the Cubs' lineup. They're not exactly using their regulars today. I mean, Billy Hamilton's leading off and Cameron Ravens batting second. But yeah, that's something that's interesting. Seeing Braylon Marquez today in a big league game. Yeah, he's their top pitching prospect. We'll see how this goes. Maybe the Cubs will finally develop some pitching. I'm not getting getting, on that rant. I got five minutes left, and there's a Bears game coming up. (laughs) So as I said, a lot happening in Chicago sports last week. Bulls make a splash for head coach. Workout start this week. Playoff baseball on both sides of town. Sox could lock up the division today. I don't know if they will because they need the Twins to lose. But the Sox have a chance to lock up the division. Cubs have locked up the division And there's a big Bears game today. And the Bears have an opportunity to be 3-0 for the first time since 2013. They also have an opportunity to make a statement today. The statement would be, they don't beat just the bad teams. And I know they should have beaten those teams worse. But they won. Take the win. A win's a win. That's what I walked up to work. Marty, my boss, I was talking Bears with him. And he even said, a win's a win. That's what we said when they made the Super Bowl. To give you an idea, Rex Grossman was the quarterback of that team that went to the Super Bowl. If Rex Rex Grossman can succeed with the Bears, so can Mitchell Trubisky. And whether you beat the bad teams by 20 points or by 4 points, take the win. That doesn't mean there's going to be all positives. Because there certainly wasn't all positives after the Giants game. I'm still worried about the defense a little bit. But let's see how it goes today. Maybe they'll surprise us. Again, with Julio Jones out. Be very, very curious to see how Chuck Pagano changes his scheme, if he does. And how Jalen Johnson does against Calvin Ridley. Because I really like Jalen Johnson. And I know the stats kind of back it up, too. And I know uh, Danny Parkins on the score saying he's driving the Jalen Johnson fan bus. I'm on that bus because I love that kid. He's not Charles Tillman yet, and he's definitely not Kyle Fuller yet. But he's making big strides so far. And again, look at the teams he's played. He can make a statement today as well. If the Bears can neutralize Calvin Ridley, they're going to be in really good shape today. I I really think they can neutralize Calvin Ridley with Julio Jones out on the opposite side. The door is open. It's a matter of whether or not they walk into it and if they can walk out and go into clubbed up. Again, kickoff coming up in just about two minutes down in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Again, my prediction with... The Falcons' top wide receiver, Julio Jones out, is Bears 30, Falcons 24. I think it's going to be a six-point game. And again, if, it was, if Julio was healthy, I'd probably flip that score and have Falcons winning. But with your top target out, and you don't have the best coach in Dan Quinn. Again, I really and truly think he's one of, one of if not the worst coach in the league. I think the Falcons are in trouble today. But we'll see what happens. If the offense can come out firing for the Bears again today, it's going to be great. Again, Mitch needs to use his legs. If he can do it again like he did last week, it's going to be good. Like I said, that first touchdown to David Montgomery last week was so pretty. And also watch out for Darnell Mooney today, rookie wide receiver. Making big strides. And he, he's going to be something someday. I also hope Alan Robinson has a good day considering he's still in contract negotiations. He didn't exactly light it up last week. But I hope he can have a big day today and prove that he deserves that contract and be another big target for Mitch. And Anthony Miller needs to catch the ball. I'm just saying. So, yeah, there are a lot of things that need to happen for the Bears to win this game, but I think they can do it. I'm just about out of time, but thanks again for indulging me in a big week in Chicago sports. There's going to be another one this week. Again, playoff baseball starts. The Bears could be 3-0 today. And the NBA playoffs are still going on. The Lakers were in the finals. And we'll find out who from the East is going to the finals soon. And I'll be all over it. And again, hope to see you back here next week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Wear a mask. I'll be back next Sunday live at 11. I don't know if I'll have a guest or not working on a couple options. But until then, I'm Nick Schultz signing off. Have a great week, everybody.